Hey, everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, several weeks ago on Off the Couch, I sat down with Matt Mitchell and Gordon Janini to do an episode dedicated to winter running and some of the gear that we have found to be most useful when running in cold temperatures, as well as some of our favorite tips and tricks. But that episode sort of got like conversationally hijacked, but I don't know what. But this is the episode that now carries the title, Winter Running and the Meaning of Life. And I ended up having a really good and interesting conversation with Matt and Gordon about basically some much bigger, more macro questions and issues about winter running and really about running at all and what it means to be a runner. So we promised at the end of that conversation that we would, in fact, come back and go a little bit more micro, actually talk about some of the specific gear and some of the specific layering tips and tricks and fueling methods that Matt and Gordon have found to work best for them when running in colder temperatures. So that is what we have in store for you here today. And so now let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Matt Mitchell and Gordon Janini. Here we go. All right. Well, I'm happy to be back with Matt and Gordon. And unlike our last attempt at talking about winter running, we're just going to dive right in so that we don't get knocked off course here. And the goal here is to just put forward some very practical information uh, for runners out there. Maybe we have people who are running in the winter and in cold temperatures, Maybe some people who are like, yeah, I don't do that because I'm not really sure how to do that sort of the right way. And so, um, you know, you two have to be our winter running gurus here and uh, tell us what's up. So, Matt, why don't we start with you? I don't know. Give us what you take to be one of the most important tips for those who are going to be venturing out to run during the winter. And I take it by winter, we mean in colder temperatures since, you know, shout out to all of our listeners in the southern hemisphere, you know, where they're, you know, a little bit backward. We say in the most loving way possible. I got a good one for you. Um, I think regardless of what type of cold you're talking about, whether that's, you know, 40 degrees, which is cold to me, uh, or, you know, negative two degrees, depending on where you are, I think layering is the the kind of crux to, to winter running and something that I think people don't always nail. I think an often pitfall people um, run into is they overlayer, um, which I've done myself, and it is like wearing a garbage bag on you sometimes. Um, and I think that can get folks into into trouble. Took me a while to realize that you know you do end up warming up. That's why that term is, is often thrown around, and you should actually probably be pretty cold when you start running. I like to I like to feel cold for the first 10 minutes of my run. And if I'm not warm by, you know, mile one or two, uh, then I, it's time to reassess and maybe head back to the car for that that spare layer. But yeah, I think layering in both directions, not having enough clothing and having too much is something people struggle with, myself included. So let's do this. 
Why don't we, because I know this is a big question, like what counts as cold? Gordon and I definitely were judging you, Matt, when you said you consider 40 degrees cold. That's like downright wildly balmy in, you know, certain necks of the woods that maybe Gordon and I know very well. So why don't we kind of do this? Maybe we think about 40 Fahrenheit on the one hand, and that's kind of the range where we talk about mild temperatures, mild winter temperatures. And then we'll just go to zero Fahrenheit for, and we'll kind of use those as our parameters. So Matt, say a bit more what you have found to be useful in that kind of 40 Fahrenheit range. What does it mean to sort of not overdress, start out cold? What does that look like for you? Yeah. Um, great question. I think my standard after, um, several years of getting it completely wrong is I will run with a long sleeve t-shirt. That's usually synthetic. Um, I like the Merino wool blends, um, bunch of companies make them. They're great cause they keep you warm even if you sweat through them and they tend not to smell, which your running partners will appreciate. I'll start with that. And then if it is in that 40 degree range, I will also wear a thin rain shell or wind shell just to start kind of keeps you insulated um, as your body warms up. Some of the materials they're using now are like really breathable, which are great. Um, and they allow that like your body heat and sweat to get out. So you're not just kind of hot boxing yourself. Um, and then I'll pair that again with like a waist belt so I can stash it once I do warm up. Um, it's just nice to have that shell if you stop at the top of a climb and chit chat or someone needs to jump into the bushes, you can throw it back on. And the way I see running in those kind of weather weathers is just like doing a good job, like keeping your temperature like consistent. Like you don't want to fluctuate either way and having that, that wind shell is a great tool in, in doing that. Gordon, strong agreement with what Matt's just said, or you have a different take on this? Um, yeah, I would say strong agreement for the most part. Um, I think regardless of whether it's, you know, 40 degrees or zero degrees, not overheating is really um, important. Obviously, it's a lot harder to overheat when it's zero degrees out. Um, so I think I would just add to that that you don't want to overdress, but you also don't want to <laughs> underdress in particular areas. So, for example, I have horrible circulation in my hands. And so for me, having a warm pair of mittens when it's really cold out is really important. And so like Matt, I think I'll usually go for, you know, a base layer and a wind shell. Probably the main difference being that, you know, that base layer is going to be a lot more substantial than just a long sleeve shirt. Um, I'll usually go for a quarter zip insulated pullover. Um, again, lots of brands make them. I'm also a fan of the Merino wool ones, but uh, yeah, to each their own. And then uh, wind shell on top of that. And then giant mittens. I look pretty ridiculous when I'm running in really cold weather. It's great. The other thing that I've found uh, is, is being a little more strategic with where I'm layering. So again, going back to the cold extremities, when it's zero degrees out, um, my core might be sweating, but my arms are cold um, just because the air temperature is so low. So having something like arm warmers that you can throw on um, your arms to get an extra layer there where you might, you know, be colder, uh, and avoid, you know, totally overheating your whole body, but, uh, providing some extra warmth can be really key. And then the last thing I will say, they're ubiquitous, they're everywhere, but they're also underrated. Buffs are really the best when it's cold outside, like 
being able to pull a buff up over your neck is huge. And anytime I forget to grab one, I hate myself and also maybe get frostbite on my neck. Who knows? You're pulling out a buff in 40-ish degrees, Gordon? Or did you move on us to the more zero end? I'm also wondering about your ridiculous mittens at 40F. Oh, no, I'm sorry. At 40F, I'm like rocking shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> literally? Um, I mean, literally? Yeah. T-shirt and, and shorts? Yeah, 40 degrees, I would say, particularly this time of year, because it's usually so cold, I would go shorts, t-shirt, maybe with arm warmers, and then a light pair of gloves. And I feel like most of the time, if it's 40 and sunny, I'll overheat and take the arm warmers off. Um, of course, you know, if you're talking to me in July, I'll probably be singing a different tune. But You guys aren't saying much about lower body layering. I mean, at 40F, I'm going to assume, given everything you've just said, you, you are both running in shorts? I am, definitely, yeah. For whatever reason, I've found, and I've, I've, I've talked to, to friends that feel similar, like, legs don't get all that cold. I mean, it might just be because they're moving frequently, but I've never really had any, any issues with legs. Lower extremities, yeah, like feet, for sure. I think in colder temps, and during the winter, I will actually go up half a size in shoes so they can accommodate like thicker socks. But yeah, generally just a pair of shorts. I've never heard of anybody going up in their shoe size to accommodate thicker socks. Is that a common move? Gordon, you know this one? I have not done that, um, but it's not a bad idea. I do get cold toes sometimes. Hmm. So. so let's address then the zero F part of things. So are at that point like if i'm if i'm running in cold i actually do like to have um sort of full length compression shorts i don't know what we call them other than compression shorts and then of course i still put basketball shorts over those but just for the sake of like keeping knees warm and nice but are you guys you guys going bare legged at zero or what are we doing there no i'm definitely wearing tights at zero I mean, yeah, at those kinds of temperatures, you really do start to risk like seriously damaging yourself if you're running in shorts. And also, I think when it gets that cold, it's a lot harder to get your muscles to warm up and keep them warm. Um, So just from like an injury prevention standpoint, keeping your legs a little warmer in really cold temperatures is going to help with, you know, avoiding things getting super stiff. At least in my experience, that certainly seems to be the case. Yeah, and then the other thing, when it gets really cold, speaking of layering in important areas, uh, wearing a pair of windfront underwear, which are a thing thanks to the world of Nordic skiing mostly, I think. Yeah, that can that can come in handy and avoid uh, getting cold in uncomfortable places. Speaking of other parts of the body, what about headwear? Matt, what are you doing? Give me your 40F and your 0F scenarios here. Yeah, 40 degrees. I'm probably not wearing a hat. Yeah, I think... I've realized 40 might not be uh, all that cold compared to other temperatures. Um, and luckily, I have a full head of hair to, to keep my brain warm. But anything south of, yeah, south of that, especially get as you work your way down to zero, having headwear is like integral. Uh, I think like that is one of the most valuable areas that you can or that's one of the best ways that you can stay warm is having something on your head. Uh, for whatever reason, you throw on anything with a hood or a beanie, a wool beanie, and it kind of just like leaks out, leaks down to the rest of your body. So what do you like specifically? What do you like the most and what do you use the most? 
Um, I like, again, any thick wool beanie. I'll wear uh, this really thick Carhartt beanie I have. It's, it's great. It kind of doesn't get in the way and it stays on my head, especially if you're bombing any descents uh, where there's, there's turbulence involved. Um, that's my go-to. Um, and they're cheap too, which is nice. Gordon, 40F and 0F. Yeah, so 40 and around there, I, I'm going to go back to the buff approach. Um, I'll usually wear a trucker hat and then just pull the buff over it when I'm cold starting out. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that way it's easy to, you know, pull it down, just keep it around my neck if I do warm up and then pull it back up if my ears get cold or something like that. Um, so, yeah, buffs, shout out, super versatile. And then at zero, um, once again, since I'm a Nordic skiing nerd, I usually go for the, the Nordic skiing hats. Swix makes a bunch of really good ones that, you know, they're essentially the same thing as what Matt was talking about. Just a warm uh, kind of beanie style hat that will help keep your temperature up. And yeah, echoing what Matt just said, hats and headwear generally are a huge part of keeping warm, but also not overdressing. Um, so I find it has to be pretty darn cold, like uh, 15, 20 degrees or less, um, for me to really not overheat in a full on beanie. And so for those kind of in between temperatures, I'll usually wear a headband instead. Um, so I want something that still keeps my ears warm, but lets some heat out the top. Well, cool. Well, listen, I think what we'll do is maybe put links to just a couple of products. I, I don't want people to listen to this and be like, wait, so, okay, some sort of hat is what you're telling me to wear. Um, so we're not saying these are the only, you know, couple of good products out there that'll work for you. But just to give you an example of a couple of the things that specifically do work for both Matt and Gordon in the scenarios they've been discussing. So yeah, we'll, we'll put a couple links uh, to some products uh, in the episode show notes. Well, in addition to the stuff that we've just been talking about, are there any other particular pieces of cold weather gear that you guys want to shout out here? Gordon? Yeah, so I'll shout out the Outdoor Research Shuck Mitts. Um, so these are essentially waterproof uh, mitten shells. They're super light, just like a couple of grams each. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I have very cold hands and also enjoy looking ridiculous with giant mittens. Um, so these are great, uh, particularly when it's kind of like medium temperature because they're really easy to layer on top of other gloves and super easy to pack away if you, you know, warm up or just, you know, stick in your back pocket in case it does get colder. Um, and they're waterproof, which is great when it's raining. Uh, even in the summer, I find like on mountain runs, my hands get really cold, throw these on and they're warm pretty quick. So we're going to come back to this when we talk about our next topic here in just a second. But Matt, anything else you want to shout out? Yeah, uh, I recently got a, uh, a shirt from Path Projects. It's uh, long sleeves. It has long sleeves and it's hooded. Um, and it also has uh, thumb holes on it, which kind of double as gu- gloves and a slit near the wrist that allows you to uh, kind of check your watch, which is super helpful. Again, I run in temperatures that hover around 40 degrees. So gloves are kind of un- unnecessary for me, but it does make a huge difference having those little, uh, little thumb holes so I can kind of tuck my hands into my sleeves and that product makes it super easy to do so. Got it. Okay. All right, Gordon. So you believe in Gore-Tex mittens. 
But neither you nor Matt are big fans of Gore-Tex running shoes. I feel like you might need to explain yourself here. And I've kind of, I've sort of jumped the gun into our next topic here, but we're going to, you know, I want to hear your respective takes on Gore-Tex running shoes and maybe why you might be running a bit of a hypocritical stance here, or maybe why you aren't. Explain yourself. Yeah, I will happily explain myself. So I think that Gore-Tex is great and it has its place in mittens and in raincoats, etc. Um, but the problem with Gore-Tex shoes is that they're only waterproof until you step in water or snow that is over the top of the shoe. And for me, where I'm running in snow all the time, that usually happens pretty fast. Uh, I think my favorite example of this, uh, last um, fall we had a big snowstorm, got super wet and slushy, and I was like, oh, sweet, I have these Gore-Tex shoes, La Sportiva Blizzards. Uh, shout out La Sportiva, you're great, except for these shoes, sorry. And so I was like, cool, I'll wear these, my feet will be dry, it'll be great. And the snow is deep enough that it was getting into the top of the shoes, and by the time I finished the run, I was like, I'm pretty sure my feet are like sloshing around in a kiddie pool inside my shoes. And I was literally like pouring water out of the shoes by the end of the run. So in that case, Way would have rather have something light, breathable that the water is just going to drain out of. To drain, yeah. Yeah, I second, uh, I second Gordon's stance here. I think uh, most Gore-Tex shoes are going to be a lot heavier. They don't do a great job of keeping your feet dry, in my opinion. I think when I consider a shoe that I'm going to take in conditions where it's going to get wet, I look for a shoe that dries really quickly and drains well. I, I see a lot of folks coming to like stream crossings or huge puddles. And oftentimes they'll just like, they'll spend five or so minutes taking their shoes off and, and waiting across and then putting their shoes back on. And I think once you do that enough times, you realize that it might just be easier to trot on through and having a, a, a pair of shoes um, that is not Gore-Tex that drains well uh, is definitely the the go-to move there. Yeah, my feet sweat profusely in Gore-Tex shoes anyway. So the the waterproofness is, is negated by my own sweat uh, at the end of the day. So I would I would advise most people to save their money and unless they're running in really snowy conditions where uh, you're buying Gore-Tex shoes for warmth. Yeah. Yeah, I think that really is the main use case for Gore-Tex shoes in my experience. So like those same shoes I was just talking about, the La Sportiva Blizzards. I love those things when it's, you know, 5 degrees outside and I'm running on icy packed snow because they keep my feet warm, not because I keep my feet dry, but um yeah, they're just, they are less breathable. And so there's, there's a little extra warmth there, which is great when it's really cold. Well, so wait a second though, but we just got done hearing Matt say he doesn't like Gore-Tex shoes because they cause him to sweat more. So how, what are we doing here? Like, but if it gets cold enough, then that's my experience. Then if it gets cold enough, and you're saying around five, I mean, we've been sort of using 40F and 0F, but so suddenly you guys have a change of heart if the temperatures get down to zero to five degrees Fahrenheit. Now we like Gore-Tex shoes again? Yeah, I think it's it's a question of uh, temperature, right? So like warmer conditions, you don't want your feet to sweat and they will inevitably in Gore-Tex shoes. 
Um, in really cold weather, you want to keep your feet warm. One way of doing that is to wear Gore-Tex shoes because they're so much less breathable. Um, however, personally, I don't think it's worth your whatever 170 bucks you're going to go drop on a pair of Gore-Tex shoes um, when, you know, you could just wear warmer socks, for instance. Um, I also usually find that, like, as we were talking about earlier with, you know, your legs not getting as cold, my feet don't get nearly as cold when I'm running, probably because, you know, you're moving them constantly and there's blood flow. Um, so, yeah, for for those, those specific low temperatures, I think you know, maybe you could make slightly more of an argument for Gore-Tex shoes. They do keep you a little warmer, but I still am not convinced that it's worth the extra money. And you're definitely out on Gore-Tex if, in fact, you're running on trails where it's not packed snow and you effectively are, I've never used the phrase post-holing if we're only talking about, you know, a shoe pushing into, say, four to six inches of snow. But even so, you're saying snow will get into the shoe. Now you've got cold water and very cold temperatures you've got the cold water trapped in your shoe yeah yeah and so when you you know you bracket those two different things it's like okay it's got to be cold enough for your feet to not overheat but also it can't be too snowy because then you'll have like sad cold foot puddles and so we're talking about like the the couple of days a year where it's really cold but also really hard packed and you know maybe if you live somewhere where that's often the case maybe it's worth it but um, for me anyways, I, I don't think it really is. Gordon, do you wear, uh, gaiters in the snow at all? Um, I usually don't for the same reason as the Gore-Tex shoes, uh, that they, unless they're like knee height, they don't actually keep the snow out very effectively and it just kind of packs in around them. And yeah, then from like a practicality standpoint, usually if it's deep enough snow to warrant knee-high gaiters, like, you're not going to be doing much running anyways. Um, so I usually just go for warm socks, regular old running shoes. That, that that works pretty well for keeping my feet warm. Where are you at with gaiters, Matt? Um, I really like them in sandy conditions. Um, if I do any running in, like, desert climates, I think they're great. Um, they just save your feet. I think I've definitely had my fair share of blisters just from a combination of little bits of grit that get into my shoe, um, partnered with like friction and sweat. Um, if it wasn't already clear, I have really sweaty feet. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, of using gaiters in the right condition. I think, um, they're not something I use every day, but, uh, I definitely have a handful of pairs in my closet. Okay. You guys want to talk about some specific winter running shoes maybe some of the best examples that you have personally used um i have been running in speed goats uh on the trails of uh northern california uh this winter i think their lugs are great they use uh vibram mega rip which i think is kind of the gold standard for for traction uh for a shoe like that if i'm doing any running in a lot of mud like in the East Bay, uh, which I mentioned uh, a few episodes ago, I'll opt for a pair of Solomon Speed Crosses, which are essentially like designed for fell running. They have like eight inch lugs and are kind of like like soccer cleats. Um, they do a great job of just giving you that stability. Um, they're pretty lightweight and they drain well, which is nice. And you you said the Speed Goat, but which specific Hoka, Hoka Speed Goat four, four or 
Yeah. The Hocus. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Should, should have clarified. Hocus Speedgoat 4, and I still have a few pairs of the Hocus Speedgoat Evo, which they discontinued, but uh, I managed to, to scoop up a couple pairs online. So I've, I've been uh, careful about uh, how many miles I put on them because I know they're they're not long for this world. And say again, what is it you use the the Evo and the Speedgoat for like interchangeably or what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're essentially the same shoe. They have the same outsole. They just have a different upper. Um, and I have heard that the Speedgoat 5, which is coming out this spring, I believe, if it isn't pushed back um, because of some supply chain issues, uh, is going to be uh, a lot similar to the Evo, which um, was a really, really popular shoe. Gordon, any specific models you want to call out that have worked well for you? Yeah, so um, when it's kind of mushy and soft, whether it's mud or new snow, um, I'm a big fan of the Hoka Evo Jaws. Um, that's their kind of lower cushion mud shoe. Um, and there's, you know, the whole world of mud shoes, but I really like that shoe in particular because it's got a little more cushion than a lot of other shoes in that category. Um, so it's, it's, I find it's still comfortable for longer runs. Um, and it has really, really great traction again, use of the fiber mega grip. Um, and then honestly, when it's really icy out, my favorite go-to is a pair of road shoes. My current favorite is the Hoka carbon X2. Um, and then Catula micro spikes, which are basically like mini crampon looking things that you just pull on over your shoes. Um, and I found that combo works really great because the Carbon X2 has a really smooth outsole. And so, you know, if you put micro spikes on trail shoes with big lugs, it can get kind of funky. Um, but yeah, if you're, you know, if I'm running on packed snow and ice, I'll, I'll go for that usually. Hmm. Any other models we should talk about? This isn't necessarily a model, but I think um, it's, a, it's a good tip. Uh, oftentimes, shoe brands will make a soft ground version of shoes. Uh, Solomon does this with their Sense 8s, and Adidas is doing this as well with some of their models. Uh, and the difference between the soft ground and the traditional model is just uh, deeper lugs, which is kind of super helpful in um, slippery conditions. Unless you're running in a road shoe. And using, yeah, yeah. Non-ice slippery conditions. Non-ice slippery conditions. Okay. I want to wrap with just a couple other topics. I think you guys have given people some good gear tips to consider. And we've talked about a few specific pieces and some specific running shoes. Let's just talk for a couple minutes about sort of fueling and hydrating in colder temperatures. Matt, what are some of your best practices along those lines? Yeah, I find that uh, it's fueling in colder temperatures. So for me, that means 40 degrees is a little bit counterintuitive just because your body doesn't overheat because you're running in cold weather. Um, so you, you don't necessarily feel deprived or, or hungry. Um, so really sticking to that kind of program of taking in for me, if I'm racing 250 calories an hour um, is, is the goal. Um, and I'll set reminders in my watch to do that instead of kind of just going by feel. Um, I've also noticed that I do better with, uh, like more solid food when it's cold. I, I like to take cliff bars and, and stuff like that with me. My gut can handle it as opposed to just feeling with liquid. 
um, and and goos and chews that can turn into um, little little pebbles when it is cold. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my go-to. Um, I think hydration is a little trickier too, just because yeah, you aren't sweating as much, so you need to make sure not only that you're hydrated, but you that but that you don't overhydrate. Um, which I have heard a lot of people do in colder weather because they're not sweating as much, but they're continuing to drink like they are sweating, um, which can lead to overhydration. Got it. Gordon, your own tips, tricks, best practices on fueling and hydrating in colder temps. Yeah, I mean, I think like Matt was saying, really fueling at any temperature is it goes back to having a plan and sticking to said plan. So for me, that looks like eating at a consistent time interval. I usually do every 30 minutes um, and then drinking, you know, however much water, depending on the temperature each hour. And that's something that is very individual. Um, And, you know, you kind of have to do some trial and error. There's no really great way to figure out how much water you need based on your particular sweat rate at different temperatures. But I think the, the tricky thing at cold temperatures is the the number of barriers to sticking to your plan is just a lot higher. Um, so when we're talking really cold, like zero degrees, um, your water bottles start freezing. Um, you know, you don't want to go dig for stuff in your backpack cause you have your giant mittens on and it's a pain. Um, <laughs> you, so you have your giant mittens on. Oh, you bet I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're great. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, it's just a lot easier to get behind. Um, and so, I, I, again, it just goes back to planning for that eventuality. So be like, okay, my water bottles are going to freeze. So, what am I going to do? I'm going to blow air back into my soft flax after I drink out of them so that the bite valve doesn't freeze shut. Um, oh, I'm not going to want to dig for this frozen gel in the back pocket of my vest. Okay, I'm going to put it in this big stretchy pocket that I can shove my giant mitten into and just, like, claw it out. Um, and then also, yeah, I'm going to maybe bring, like a bar or some chews or something that I can stick in my mouth and let thaw out a little bit before I have to try chewing on like a rock hard um, shot block or something like that. Mm -hmm. Got it. Well, listen, there's a number of other topics that we could go into. In fact, we had maybe talked about going into, but I think we're going to leave it at this for now. And, you know, we'll have other opportunities to maybe talk about training uh, for upcoming trail races when it's really cold and or all your trails are buried under snow. And, and you know, there's a number of other obviously interesting topics, uh, you know, that fall under this rubric of winter running. Um, any parting shots on this? I think you guys have provided some really nice tips and suggestions. Now I just have this idea that Gordon, when he's out running and it's cold, kind of looks like Mickey Mouse, you know, like with Mickey's... Accurate. Mickey. I don't know if that is actually Mickey that has the big hands or Goofy that has the big hands or if they both do, but I got to brush up on my Disney characters a little bit, but some Disney character running around on snow. Yeah, that's pretty much me. That's you. Okay. Any parting shots for what we've talked about in this conversation? I would say that uh, if you're in the middle of a polar vortex and you have no desire to go out and run and it's Whiteout conditions, resting is never a bad option. He's giving us permission, ladies and gentlemen. It's always the safe play. Gordon? Yep, I agree. When it's a polar vortex, maybe don't go outside. But also, 
Um, if you are trying to train through the winter, have your gear figured out, do a lot of trial and error. There is going to be, you know, some cold days, some warm days where you're overheating. Um, but yeah, like anything else, it just takes some practice. Uh, and then, you know, you can go out and run in a polar vortex and, uh, be just fine. Although yeah, rest days are good too. Cause bottom line, Gord, I think you are running during the polar vortex. I think you're like nodding along trying to sound, you know, normal when you're like, yeah, no, definitely don't run during that. But I kind of think you are out there running during that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's the logical part of my brain. It's like, yeah, don't run during a polar vortex. Who would do that? And then the other part of my brain is like, I mean, I do have pretty warm mittens. I'd probably be fine. (laughs) I mean, my biggest takeaway from this is thank God for your super warm mittens. I mean, that's what, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe that will be the move that gets me into more winter running, Gordon. Maybe that's it. Yeah, I'll send you a pair. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, listen, guys, thank you. You know, I think after our winter running and the meaning of life conversation, it was good for us to, you know, just focus a little more on some of the the brass tacks, the nuts and bolts things that, you know, allow folks to go run uh, in these colder temps. So appreciate your perspectives. Thanks. Thanks for having us. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Well, that's it for this edition of Off the Couch. I want to say thanks to Matt and Gordon for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, Colorado, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. Please keep moving forward. And we will talk to you again next week.